Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Punch. I'm your host, as always, Karate Cam, Sensei Cam. (laughs) But before we get into today's episode, I want you guys, if you're a fan, if you enjoy this podcast, please go show your support by pausing and downloading this episode. And please give this podcast five stars. Share it with your friends. Show some love. Share it on your social media. Whatever we got to do to get this podcast to more listeners. I appreciate everybody's support and help and love so far. And I look forward to upcoming episodes. And right before I introduce today's awesome guest, I want to thank Bet Online for being, yet again, this episode's sponsor. With the NBA playoffs right around the corner, everybody needs the fastest and easy way to bet on all sports action. Bet Online has you covered with all the newest scores, updates, and odds, and has the best place to place your bets. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on the first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. But without further ado, you know how we start the show. Yeah, the first technique I learned was a punch. Yeah! On today's episode, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Brian Zuliger. Dr. Zuliger currently works as a mental strength coach for the Adams State University cross-country track and field programs and is also a certified mental performance consultant. Dr. Zuliger has had his fair share competing in various extreme sports and is currently the associate professor of sports psychology in the kinesiology department of Adams State University. Enjoy today's episode where we take a dive into the world of sports psychology and in what my studies are currently. Enjoy today's episode. Of believe in the punch here we have my master's degree program director slash professor slash someone i look up to in dr brian zuliger thank you for joining us today thanks for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me yeah so so just as a gist you know um my my studies are in sports psychology and uh i i find that i wanted to go in this route because mental skills and 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 the essentially the world of psychology is something that helped me out as an athlete. And I feel that it's underused right now in the world of sports. So that's why I feel like it was just that much more important to have you on the show today. So again, thank you for coming on. And um, is there anything that you'd want to start off with about getting like as an intro, what's your intro to sports psychology without us having to go through the whole course? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, in simple terms, I, I look at it as training people to think more effectively. And, and that's in general. And then since we're applying it to sport, it's within the context of sport. So sports psychology is training people to think more effectively within the context of sport. And that can look a lot of different ways. It can happen a lot of different ways, but um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all thinking, we're all using our brains, our minds are working while we're you know, doing everything every day in life. And when we're participating in sport, 
in the lead up to it and training and endearing. And after, you know, we have thoughts as well. And how can we train those thoughts to be more effective um, and conducive to uh, us performing better, but also just being happier and healthier, like better general well-being at the same time. So it's a holistic approach when we look at that. We look at the person first, the athlete second, you know, and, and build around that kind of structure from there to train people to think more effectively. So in short, that's, that's how I look at it. And um, sports psychology is what we know as a field and a topic. And I also use a term that is similar in, in calling it mental strength. And so I look at it as mental strength training. And what I do is, is I'm a mental strength coach. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a brief intro into no, yeah. sports psychology. I think, I think that was a great way of saying it because like that's, that's what links us all together essentially within sport is the fact that we're all thinking consistently, <laughs> you know, different parts of everything, whether it's pre, during, before, or everything that happens to the lead up or after an event or whatever, it involves, involves energy and energy and thought and training that thought is what can maximize our abilities, you know? Well, yeah. like, where would you go at with the stigma that you know, we only need to work with the ones that have something quote unquote wrong with them. Right. Cause that's, that's where sports psychology is geared towards. I think, especially in my field of karate is, Hey, this guy has something wrong with him. He's crazy. Go talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's very common. Um, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Um, I, I would say it's a good thing because, um, we, people are at least aware of us and aware of sports psychology because of that. The bad thing is that's what most people know sports psychology as. If I'm struggling, if I've got some kind of issue, I go talk to this person to help me fix whatever that issue is. And quite frankly, that's grounded in sort of a lot of Western thinking and the way we look at our medicine is very similar. Like if I'm sick, I go to the doctor you know, but we wait until we're sick to go to the doctor to do anything about it or whatever it might be. And we go there with the intent that they're going to somehow fix us. They're going to mm. do something to us, some sort of procedure or give us some sort of medication of some sort. And that's going to fix us. And I don't actually have to do anything myself, right? I don't actually have to change. And the problem with that way of thinking is we carry that into a lot of other things we do. And in the sport world, um, we see this, I mean, it's the same with athletic trainers and injuries and stuff like that. You know, um, athletic trainers have been working for years to try to tell people to be proactive and, and that we're not just here to fix you sort of, you know, when you're injured, we're here to help you prevent getting injured and stuff like that as well. Right. And um, with sports psychology, I try to really emphasize what I call a build it model approach, which is looking at taking the person wherever they're at, we build from there. So even if somebody came to me with a quote unquote issue, you know, like the head case or whatever you want to call it, like you're saying, I, I, I don't ignore that, but that's not my focus. My focus is building with the person. And that's a, it's a shift in thinking. It's a shift in way of looking at it because um, if, if we think of it in the idea of like, I'm going to fix it, then that means I'm getting back to where I was, right? Like I've somehow... I was normal before and now somehow I'm abnormal. I'm, I'm not doing as well. I need to get back to normal. Well, I don't want people to just to be normal. I want people to be abnormal, but on the positive side of things. Right. And so we, right. we want people to be the best version of themselves 
And in doing that, we've got to build and look above and beyond just, hey, I want this person performing at a normal functioning level. Like, no, I want you to get to where you're performing at, you know, the best um, of what you can do with what you've got in the current context kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say based off of that about like, and I, I'm only I'm only bringing this up because we, we talked about it on one of one of our other calls, but the whole idea of like getting back to a certain point, like quote unquote, someone gets an injury, right? Like I break my arm or whatever it is. And then I want to get back to that point of ability, you know? And, and then you're, you were talking about like, well, that's, that's not the intent anymore. You can't go back in time, right? Like we mm -hmm. have to look, you know, yeah. can, can you go over that idea a little bit? I, Cause I think that's a great yeah. thing of what, what, what you were just talking about. Yeah, it builds off of that. And we see it a lot with injury, but it's true of anything. You know, if you were just training and you were completely healthy, it'd be weird to think like, hey, I want to go back to where I was at four months ago. Mm -hmm. I want to be at that level. You don't say that, right? But when you get injured, people often go like, well, I need to get back to where I was. And it's like, well, no, you want to build from where you're at. And the injury is a part of that. And I think that's one of the things is we don't address the mental aspect of the injury. We look at it at just from a physical standpoint. And that's where a lot of times, you know, it, it creates issues. But, but to answer your question, it's this idea that like, you, that you can't like go back in time, like you said, for one, like literally, and the sense of like, everything that happens to you changes you. Mm -hmm. for better or worse and that's something that's really crucial in sports psychology as well I mean you think about people's mindset and how they approach sport if somebody's got like a performance plateau let's say you know they're struggling to you know see the progress that they want or they're not seeing the improvements in their performances that they want kind of thing they tend to get frustrated and be like well I need to get back to where I was or something like that it's like well as we've as we've talked about in our coursework and stuff like that, it, it's a, it's not a linear progression all the time. And sometimes you spend a lot of time on these, you know, proverbial plateaus where you're waiting for those breakthroughs and you're doing the training, you're doing all the right stuff. You're, you're working on your nutrition, you're getting the sleep, you're doing all the correct things, but you're not seeing that progress. And we have this idea that if I put in work, I'm going to somehow get X, Y, Z result every time that's how we think and that's what we want instead of understanding that it's not linear um it sometimes comes in waves it sometimes takes huge breaks you know and sometimes we go backwards um and in all those cases that's all just it's all just kind of like information it's all just feedback and how you handle that and process that and learn from that and grow and get better is what matters and a lot of people look at those things as like very like black and white defining like i'm good or i'm bad i had a good practice today i had a bad practice today or whatever it is i had a good performance bad performance and we get really narrowed in instead of seeing big picture of what really matters which is ultimately consistency like the more consistent you can be over time the better you're going to be and if you can improve that consistency your average or whatever kind of thing that's that's what we're looking at but everybody kind of tends to live in these these highs and lows like of i had a great performance and i did something I've never done before or i won and i haven't won this before or i was horrible 
And right. we kind of live in those like highs and lows and we miss the idea of just being consistent to begin with. And then how can I build on that and make that consistency sort of improving instead of just always trying to improve on the high end. Um, Cause what happens is you ride an emotional, you know, and psychological roller coaster essentially doing that. And that's really hard on people. Yeah. I mean, you, you could look at that as like, and I think that's, that's another reason for why I, I really wanted to go into this field is because this is applies to, I mean, you're talking about a holistic approach, but like a whole life sense, you know, um, you know, I'm very fortunate in having, you know, the dojo that I do and, or the family business that I do and, and, and seeing people from all different life backgrounds and things like that. And riding that emotional roller coaster, the psychological roller coaster is something that you see within everybody, man. <laughs> like, yeah, they just, yeah, you know, absolutely. like, yeah, like that's, you know, whether they have, a, you know, things going on at home or a job that they yeah. want to get or wh- whatever it is, you know, it's like that same, yeah. same very, it's like very interesting to see that it's the same, very similar, like a very correlated path. Right. And, and yeah. being able to uh, find essentially the, the way to mitigate, you know, sport is very similar to how you could deal with, with other things, right. Looking at the big picture and not just the result of like, Hey, yes or no, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. It, this stuff applies to life for sure. Um, and really that's, I mean, it's the psychology of, um, like I said, thinking more effectively and we're applying it to the context of sport, but you could apply it to life. You could apply it to other careers, um, lots of other professions or domains and those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah. Do you see a lot of sports psychologists or even performance psychologists go into fields outside of sport? Um, yeah. I mean, the, the military, I mean, I don't have exact numbers, but I can tell you just from seeing job postings that the military in general, um, is one of the largest, if not the largest employer of sports psychology professionals. Um, and so that, that's a, a big time area that um, is utilizing it and they're utilizing it in um, a performance context in, in um, preparing the people in the military to be able to perform better and better handle what they're gonna face and, and hopefully um, on the backside of whatever their encounters are, um, be a little better equipped to process that as well kind of thing. And so it's something that the military for many years was very honed in on physical. I was like, their main thing was physical readiness. Everything was physical, fitness related. And a lot of sport was the same way kind of thing. Um, the military for quite some years, this isn't a new thing either. This has been going on for um, probably the last 10 to 20 years for sure. And, and somewhat before that even kind of thing, hmm. um, the shift and, and they, they now place psychological readiness or mental readiness right there with physical readiness and their priorities. Um, and so they're investing in it um, very heavily and employing lots of um, sports psychology professionals to to work with them and be integrated in full-time roles um, within the, the military context. And it has all different versions of that, but but yeah, that's one, one area. Um, business is another area that's very popular in um, performing arts. Um, any, I mean, it literally has the word performing in it. You know, I mean, they're, they're performing um, and, and going through the same things. Um, 
and, and lots of other professions as well, tactical professions, um, police, firefighters, those kind of things, um, EMTs, medical field. Um, I mean, think about your, think about a surgeon, you know, we were talking about injury before you're going in to get, you know, your ACL repaired. Would you want your surgeon to be on top of their game thinking, right? Like focused in the moment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, we can teach these things in those settings as well. And, um, it really should be, you know, like a baseline curriculum in, in K-12 education system as, you know, and, and carried into, you know, other professions as well in, in higher education as well as a, um, baseline curriculum, not necessarily sports psychology, but maybe the greater umbrella of performance psychology as a course, um, because everybody needs it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that, you know, you bring into our, the younger generation, because I think now more than, I mean, this is a like personal biases. So if I'm totally wrong, this is not because of the program, <laughs> but, uh, um, I think now more than ever, I like kids are facing a different type of pressure, you know, just from life standpoints, whether that be like, you could even expand it into the realm of like social media and how open, like how connected the world is and information is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's something that we see a lot within our program is like, man, sometimes these like just young kids, man, they in the middle of class will break down. And it's not because of something that you said is like their, their coach or their sensei, but it's just like, and then you start talking to them and then they're like, man, I just got so much going on at home and, you know, school and this and that. I was like, man, you got pro like, there's a lot going yeah. on just for a young, young, you know, young, young yeah, mind, yeah. you know? I mean, and that's been happening for a while now, but I think you're right to some extent in that, you know, now is, is, is arguably different than previous times. I mean, I think everybody always has this mindset of, oh, it's, it's different than it was when I was younger or whatever, that kind of thing. And, and, and it is because things change, but I think you're right. This idea of them being sort of busier or having more on their plate has been growing since my youth, mm-hmm. you know, time even, you know, and so if we go back to the, you know, the early nineties when I was a, a youth sport athlete myself, like um, it's, it's substantially different now. Um, I mean, we just had that section where we were talking about the difference between youth and high school and college and those kind of things in our course. And one of the things that I see is that the stuff that was there, like the elite and pro level has just trickled down and is now issues for like youth sport athletes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when I was young, like the paper was the newspaper was the only way that you got any kind of like acknowledgement on a public scale of what was going on in sport now it's like stuff's televised you've got social media you've got all sorts of things and so you know even if it's just somebody's taking a video of a kid and going oh look at they just you know dropped 40 in this you know like fifth grade basketball game they're going to be like the next lebron james like you know that wasn't that just wasn't even a thing right (laughs) you know and so that's a legitimately like different and so you know just the sport context there but then you take in the life things and other stuff going on and so while there is a lot that's different around them the core things are still the same you know and if we think about mental training we talk about you know find what matters there's lots of stuff going on that doesn't matter and we want to focus we want to narrow in and focus on the stuff that does matter for us to do what we're doing and what happens is i think 
what you're highlighting is that the stuff that doesn't matter, there's a lot more of that going on than there was five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge to find what matters and stay focused on that has gotten more difficult, I guess you could say. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's just the they're like if you think about I, I, this is the analogy that just came into my head, but like a like a plane flying through open skies versus like a cloudy storm, you know, mm-hmm. and like that's that's what I'm seeing now, you know, yeah. um, to where like it is hard to focus a lot of times on performance because so and so athlete is seeing. Um, other kids that they're that are their same age is being highlighted all over the place or sponsored or this or that or whatever. And now they're sitting now, now the, like the process or performance of themselves and growth of them within themselves is measured by everything else around them. Yeah. The comparison game is really ramped up. Right. Right. Hardcore. That makes it hard because what we're trying to train people is to compare themselves to themselves and, and look at personal excellence. Right. Right. And, and, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've had, especially this past semester, because we've been focusing so much on like, well, I mean, obviously one of the coach, one of the classes is become essentially becoming a better coach is, you know, to really help them find, you know, that like you getting better leads to other things, right? Like if you, if we could just focus, like, and I'm dumbing this down quite a bit, but like, if we could just focus on you focusing on you, then those things will come (laughs) and you'll, you'll be a lot happier in the whole, the the whole scheme of things, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's understanding that that gives you the best chance to have happen what you want to have happen. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest concepts in sports psychology across all levels is this idea that I can't guarantee that things are going to happen. Meaning like, I can't guarantee that I'm going to go win you know, this competition or whatever it is, or that I'm going to become an Olympian or whatever that is. You can't guarantee that. And that doesn't mean you don't work towards that and you don't work really hard and commit and invest in that if that's what you want. But it's also understanding that like, I might not get that. Yeah. And what does that mean if I don't? And like, am I a better person in the process for chasing that goal? or whatever that is. And, and that's the idea is that in my, and that's what you're saying. Like, if you focus on you, you're going to be a better version of you when we're done and it'll give you the best chance to become that Olympian or win that medal or whatever it is, but we can't guarantee that that's going to happen. And I think too often people look at it, like I was saying earlier, if I do X, Y, Z steps, then this is going to happen. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get mine kind of thing. Right. And right. it's like, and, and I think what you're saying back to these youth at really young ages, people are seeing that now. And it's very much like, if I can't do that, or I don't think I can do that, or the people around me don't believe I can do that, then I'm either just not going to try, or I'm going to just going to straight up quit and try to do something else. or I'm just not going to do anything at all. Right. And I see that. And I hear that a lot from the fellows students like yourself and coaches and athletes and people that I work with um, that, that, and that's been something that for the last 10, 15 years, people have been talking to me about that. That's an issue that more, less and less kids are doing sport, less and less kids are staying in sport longer. Um, and I think this drives a lot of it as they start to go, well, I can't be this, or I can't do that. Or the people around me don't believe I can. And so I just stop missing that there's still all these things you can gain from from doing this 
even if you don't accomplish these outcomes that get you recognition or whatever and all that kind of stuff, which at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff is hollow as well anyway, but they don't know that because they haven't experienced it. Right. So, I mean, this is, I mean, this is kind of like a side question, but like where, where's the line between experience and like that idea of, of, of coaching, you know, like mental, mental, like mental training, because right. Like we can, we can like, in, like tell these, and actually this happened to me yesterday at our tournament that we just had where um, there's this kid and he's fantastic. This, this young, this kid, man, he's a, he's a great kid, happy dude. And then literally as soon as, and, and unfortunately just didn't go his way that day, you know, and, and man, everything broke down everything that we were talking about as far as, you know, as, you know, just building him as an individual, as a person, I should say, yeah. it, it went, it went completely out the door. So where, mm -hmm. and because he's never experienced that level of competition, you know, the crowd and all of those things. Yeah. So where, where, like, where's your take on that line, I guess. Yeah. Between like allowing them to be in that moment you're saying versus like sort of saying like, Hey, this is how we should be thinking. This is how we should be responding. Or uh, I, I, I want to know, like, how, like, how would you have taken that approach then? Like, where would you have gone with that? Right? Like, it's like, where, where, like, how should we be thinking? Like, the second part of what you were saying. Well, I'll, I'll give you this quote, and it might not mean anything, and it might sound weird or whatever. <laughs> but one, of, one of my mentors has this quote that says, uh, "He says, experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted." Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I'll slow you that down. What you so wanted, experience right. is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. So this particular kid wanted to perform at a certain level, mm -hmm. whatever that was, wanted to win, whatever that, that looked like, and didn't get what he wanted. And that is the experience. Mm hmm because that's where you got to like sit and that's hard because mm -hmm. you, you, the kid cares about it clearly um, has probably invested some time and energy into it. Um, and thus you get that kind of response because you're disappointed. You're either disappointed with yourself. You're disappointed with how you performed. Maybe, maybe you think you could have performed better. Maybe you did as well as you could have given the context and you're still just frustrated with it. And that's part of it, mm -hmm. but, but that's where, that's where you like, as a coach, that's where you earn your money. That's where like, as a mental strength coach, you earn your money, so to speak, because that's where the most growth can happen. Right. That's where the most learning can happen because you've kind of gotten hit square in the face with this, this situation and you didn't get what you wanted. And so now it's like understanding that unpacking that, like, what does that mean? Um, was I actually seeking personal excellence or was I too wrapped up in the outcome and what other people think of me? And that's why I'm upset because I think the fans or my parents or my coach or whoever are going to be disappointed in me. And somehow this is a reflection of myself and self-esteem versus I just didn't perform well today. I'm still a good person. The people around me still love me and care about me. What can I learn from this and move forward to, uh, to get better for next time? Um, and I think that's, that's really key, but I think we get, we get really hung up on outcomes, um, and <laughs> right. in particular, allowing outcomes to be tied to our self-worth and self-esteem, um, how we feel about ourselves as a person. And, and that impacts, you know, that's our confidence and 
and you know, it's all tied with that as well, kind of thing. So. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and that's because they're right. Like there's a certain set of like certain amount of value behind an outcome. Right. So, I mean, I think that's yeah. like, it's very yeah, easy. It, it matters. Right. It matter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's the challenge, I guess, ultimately is knowing that the outcome matters, but like, how can we operate within that environment as effectively as possible? And we know that if you're, too focused in on the outcome and your self-esteem and self-worth needs are being better tied to that too much your identity is wrapped up in that too much um when you don't get what you want the wheels come off the bus or whatever kind of metaphor you want to use right you know, right the train comes off the tracks whatever you know it, it doesn't go well and the idea is not that we can eliminate that feeling but that we can stabilize that to some extent, kind of like what I was saying earlier with those highs and lows is how can we be more consistent? How can we be more stabilized in, in our, in our responses to things? And that goes for the good as well. Mm-hmm. We see people perform well and they kind of lose their, they lose their stuff too, kind of thing, you know, mentally as well. And, you know, it's not saying you can't celebrate and enjoy things, but, um, the, the more we can kind of keep people on a somewhat, uh, you know, I, I keep using the word stable, but like, you know, um, like an even plane. Uh, almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it doesn't mean you're a robot, like, and you don't have experience any emotion, but we, we've got to get better at, at when we have the high and lows, how we respond to them. Mm-hmm. And so that we don't stay, on either spectrum too long and, and that takes us away from what we're actually trying to accomplish you know if you spend too much time celebrating you're not getting ready for the next thing mm-hmm. if you spend too much time sort of wallowing in you know your your sorrows of not performing well or failing or whatever you, you classify it as um we're not getting ready for the next thing either and so figuring that out is is a key piece of that as well and then also being able to move on so that that doesn't carry with you into the next match or competition or whatever right well well we're, we're i know i and i love the fact that we're talking about like event to event or major major moment but i think one of the things that a lot of people miss about you know sports psychology or mental strength training in general is that it's a training, right? It's a practice that we have to do every day. Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier about consistency. So like, where, like, what, what do you think are things that, like, how do we train it essentially on a daily basis? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like everything else. And so this I'll, might be going away from your question temporarily and answering it, but we're thinking all the time. Like people are, everybody's doing mental training. Mm. Everybody's thinking. It's just, what's the quality of that? Mm. And that's what I was saying earlier about it's training people to think more effectively. So everybody's doing mental training in some capacity. Some people are doing more of it or less of it in terms of intentionality in relation to their sport. But what's the quality of that is really what, I'm interested in and looking at and working with people. And so when you think about like, what does it look like on a day-to-day basis or how do you do that? Um, it's, it's what are you thinking in and around your, your training, mm. you know, like if you've got practice every day, like 
you know, are you thinking about practice outside of outside of practice? I would say everybody is to some extent. Some are thinking about it too much. Um, some are not thinking about it enough. Um, and some are thinking and, and some are thinking about it in ineffective ways, I guess. Um, and, and that the too much and too little is, is a version of ineffective or effective kind of thing. And so finding a, ways to integrate it into what you already do. Mm -hmm. So if I've got practice for two hours and, you know, what am I doing in the 30 minutes before practice to kind of get myself in the right mindset to shift to, to go to practice or whatever it is? Um, what am I doing in that warm up? you know, from a mental standpoint to get myself ready and those kind of things. A lot of athletes do this kind of stuff already, but in a lot of cases have ineffective methods for how they go about it because it's just kind of happenstance. It's just sort of things they maybe see or think other people do or something like that. I mean, I'm sure karate's got all sorts of it. If we just went and watched a competition, I could sit there and probably pinpoint all of these things that people are doing from that are, would be classified as routines or maybe even superstitions and stuff like that. So people are doing this kind of stuff on their own without even realizing it a lot of times. And in a lot of cases, they're not that effective or they could be more effective with some intentionality and teaching and understanding um, of things. And, you know, like one of the classic things I see is everybody thinks that you need to be relaxed. And so like everybody's like, oh, you gotta relax. You gotta relax, you're too worked up. Well, there's such a thing as being too relaxed as well. <laughs> you know, like yeah. mindfulness is a big thing nowadays. And I'm like, mindfulness is great. But, you know, if you're competing in a karate competition, you can't just be sitting there all zen out like, you know, a Buddhist monk, like on a mat kind of thing. Like you're fighting somebody, you're sparring, whatever, you, you know, like. So, yes, you have to be present, focused and aware. And those are things that are elements of mindfulness but you can't just be sitting there all zenned out either. Like there's a certain level of activation that you have to have. And, um, you know, so that's just, you know, a quick little thing, but you know, like really it should be built into your training. Mm. Yes. You can do things outside of practice, you know, like visualization, meditation, working on breathing things, developing focus routines, um, looking at how I can practice with more of a purpose writing things down like gratitude, um, exercises, journaling, just, just simply journaling about your thoughts in general is really productive um, and helpful to, to identify how I'm thinking and what I'm thinking in and around my sport. And so that I can then identify those areas where I need to get better and improve on that and those kind of things. So um, lots of different things from that standpoint, but I like to really have it ideally be integrated into what you're already doing with your physical training. Cause you're already thinking these thoughts to begin with. It's just, how can we change them and shift them to be more effective to help you perform better? So instead of sitting there going like, Oh, I really hope, you know, coach doesn't have a hard workout today, or, you know, I really hope I don't like screw this up or look bad in front of everybody when we have to do a one-on-one -on -one sparring or something like that. And that, that's going through kids heads that's mm -hmm. going through you know adults heads and we should be thinking more confidently we should be thinking about what can go right and and here's how i'm going to do it instead of what's all the things that could go wrong you know so that's that's our self-talk that we're having you know in and around while we're doing it and everybody's got that going mm -hmm. And so everybody's doing mental training they just might be doing ineffective mental training and making it worse 
And that's why it's so important to get it to people at a younger age, because if you're just getting exposed to it at college or elite levels, um, you've got a lot of years of potentially ineffective self-talk, thought patterns, ways you view yourself, your identity, all that kind of stuff could be very ineffective. Um, and we've got to try to undo that. And that's like trying to teach somebody how to change their mechanics or something like that after they've been doing it with the wrong mechanics for 15, 20 years. That's hard to do, right? Right, and, right. And it's, it's the same thing with sports psychology. And I think that's why some people get frustrated because they realize I'm the one that needs to change, but they aren't maybe willing to do the things it takes to change because they're so far down a path that it's sometimes hard for them. Right. And I think that's why getting it to youth is really important because we, we set them up for a better foundation, just like strength and conditioning and, and other things. If we teach them the proper movement patterns and those kind of things, we teach them the proper basics of thinking and how they view sport and performance. Um, that sets them up so much better to build on those skills then throughout their life. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the main takeaways from what you just said was the fact that like everybody's doing it all the time, <laughs> you know, like I'm not lifting weights all the time or I'm not practicing my sport or craft or art or whatever it is all the time, but I'm thinking all like this brain is going with me everywhere yeah, I go. Yeah. Right. So literally mental training could be seen as something that is happening essentially 24 seven. And like, that's a privilege in the sense that you get to work on it. 24 you know what i'm saying like it's like a continuous yeah thing. yeah and it's not it's not that it has to be intentional right like every every minute every second of the day i'm i'm super focused on my mental training but it's this idea that we've got subconscious and conscious thoughts kind of going all the time and um th those are things that and that's really one of the big things is that creating awareness around that that's sort of like one of the first steps is saying like okay like that that's this is happening and and how can i you know, better understand this and move forward from that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, the, the kind of the last question I have for you and like our, our session for today is um, like what, cause I think that like looking at essentially what you're saying from a holistic standpoint and something that I could apply to everybody. Cause it's, I, a lot of people is, if not everybody that's around me at least wants to be better at what they do, you know, whether that's their job or karate yeah. or whatever it is, you know, but what, well, what from a mental training standpoint separates the, not elite from the elite? Um, I would say that they actually do it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, that they actually <laughs> do it and they do it on a consistent, regular basis. They seek out people like myself to work with them, to do the training. Um, it, you know, I think a lot of people either try to go on their own for whatever reason because they don't want it to be known. I think that the stigmas and around it kind of are still there in the sense that like if I if I tell somebody that I'm working with a mental strength coach or a sports psychology professional to improve my thinking so I can perform better in sport that's not seen the same way as saying hey I'm working with xyz strength and conditioning coach to, to you know work on getting stronger to be a better you know athlete that's mm -hmm. seen as like a good thing and that's like rewarded in society people like talk about that but if somebody if you were to publicly say that you were working with me I don't think people would be like oh you know what's what's wrong with Cameron but but there's still that perception 
right. it's still that idea that like if if you were working with me to improve the way you think and that's the thing that I think people miss too is that it's like the best athletes actually understand this often the best and are actually using it and applying it and it's the ones that are trying to make it that need it the most but are often aren't willing to like put their ego aside or whatever it is to say like hey I can get better from this because there's still that perception that if I'm doing this thing, that something's wrong with me sure. because of that fix it idea that we were talking about earlier. And so I think that really keeps a lot of people from doing it or from talking about it publicly or actually engaging with somebody. They maybe buy a book or something like that, or they like, Oh, I heard that, you know, LeBron meditates and stuff. So I'm going to start meditating. And like, that's good, but they don't have like, it's not like you just see like, oh, LeBron's doing this like weight training program. I'm just going to magically try to do it on my own. No, you go <laughs> right. get like a strength and conditioning coach or you have your coach, your sport coach work with you on it and stuff like that. And so it's this idea that it's okay to talk to experts in their field about it. And that's a good thing. And that should be sought out. That should be rewarded. And that should be more talked about amongst athletes. And I think we're seeing that change and shift some, but there's still a very, a lot of people that are set in the, their old ways kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you saw, I just shared this thing with uh, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson with you guys um, and how he, you know, the sports talk people or whatever and stuff were kind of trying to like troll him for lack of a better, like, explanation like to try to stir up controversy about his comments and if you read his comments it's it's everything we teach in sports psychology he's <laughs> yeah. intrinsically internally motivated trying to be the best athlete he can be but he separated his identity from who from like being like you know from the outcome and those kind of things and um he sees football as a big part of his life but it's not the only thing in his life which ties into everything we want and teach to get somebody to be in the right mindset to be a high-performing athlete, not just in the short term, but in the long term. And that's like so key. Um, so that's just a, a, a an example where even, you know, be, you know, somebody, that's the thing, you start talking about that stuff and people are like, oh no, you're, you're supposed to have this chip on your shoulder and you're supposed to just be grinding all the time. And like, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, no, you can be happy and healthy and a high-performing athlete you don't have to be miserable and just like beating your head against the wall, like training 24 seven and doing all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's, it's about what's most effective and can I produce the results and, and not have to, you know, be tied to this comparison stuff or what other people do and those kind of things. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the difference between the sort of sub elite or the non elite and the elite is that they actually do it. And, they actually engage in it and work on it. Um, and that's where they're able to, you know, make, you know, take advantage of those kind of things. Just like if you were getting better with your nutrition or your strength and conditioning or whatever it is, you know, um, all of those things, this is just another avenue of that. And to me, it's one of the most important avenues. Again, I'm probably biased somewhat, but like you said, we're thinking all the time. You know, the brain is the command center for the body. And I would think I would want my command center to be as highly trained and in tune as, as it could be 
to to make everything else work kind of thing most definitely yeah making better individuals all around i think is the best way to to end it yeah it's right there to put the cap on mic drop right after that you know (laughs) you know yeah yeah you know it's it's, if you can be the best version of yourself you're going to give yourself the best chance to accomplish the things you want to accomplish and if you don't you're going to be in a place and where you've got some tools to know how to handle that Definitely. Definitely. Well, Dr. Z, thank you for, for joining me on this episode. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to just keep going through the program and learning all the different, cause next semester we got some pretty awesome classes surrounding, like not just what goes on within the athlete's brain, but everything that kind of surrounds the individual. So look yeah. back to, look, I'm looking forward to, you know, chatting with you about that and seeing all the different perspectives on things, but thank you again yeah. for taking the time and being on, you know, another episode. And, you know, I, I can't wait to, to see what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Yeah, And uh, I look forward to seeing where things go as well. As always, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Believe in the Punch. If you haven't already, please go download this episode. I really appreciate everybody's tremendous support. And I'm looking forward to future episodes. Please follow me on Instagram at Karate Cam. Even find me on LinkedIn, Cameron Madani. Uh, I even got convinced by some of my students to get a TikTok. It's absolute trash right now, but we'll we'll pick it up. And that is uh, Sensei Cam. So go find me. You can find me anywhere now. But as always, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode. Keep your hands up. And keep believing in the punch. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.